This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 49 and we're going through Jacob's of his children. And in some ways, the cursing of his children, he's, he is dealing with them as they are, as we would say. He's speaking to them as they've lived their lives and the consequences that result from that. And we get to the person of Judah. And Judah is very important in this passage. And in fact, probably as far as all of scriptures is concerned, this passage, it, its pinnacle is is the blessing of Judah. And the reason that is, is because it's prophetic. And what Jacob says about Judah, what Jacob says about his family, what Jacob says about what is going to happen in his line is of great importance. And the reason it's of great importance is it's going to point to Christ. And the best thing I can say that we should do is jump right in. It says, Judah, you who are he, whom you are he, whom your brothers shall praise. Now notice what he's saying is that Judah is going to be the source of worship. He's going to be the source of holiness. He's going to be the source of God, um, God's blessing and God's praise. His brothers are going to praise him. All of Israel is going to praise him. He is, he is, he is going to attain to the highest place. He says, Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, meaning he's going to have authority and power over those who come against him. He is going to, he's going to be an overcomer. He's going to be one who, who has the ability to break chains. He's going to be the one who has the ability to overcome that which rules the world, which we know that's the power of death and darkness. And he, uh, He's going to be the preeminent one of the family. And I think it's important that you see that God is pointing here through Jacob to Judah. Now, obviously, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. But in this blessing, he is blessing Judah by the power of the Spirit. And he and God knows and God understands his purposes and his will in this matter. And even though Joseph is very important, Jacob is the one whom the promises of God are going to be completely fulfilled. He says, your father's children shall bow down before you. And that these are continual understandings that he's going to be in the highest place. He's going to be of the most importance. His line is the line that everyone is going to want to be a part of. Judah, now he goes into this, and this is important because remember, lions are a picture of spiritual power. All right. Now, Remember, we're not talking about necessarily good or bad spiritual power. We're talking about spiritual power in the sense of the heavenlies, in the sense of that which is spiritual. And remember, the spiritual and the physical are not separated. That being said, the spiritual is a reality. 
The spiritual is every bit of a reality, as much of a reality as the physical is. And so many times when we think about and consider things and we look at it from a natural or a world perspective, we don't see the importance or the value of the spiritual. And in many ways, we consider that the spiritual doesn't really have as much of an impact as the scriptures portray. But the truth is that the spiritual has more of an impact than what we would understand or we would see with our natural or our physical eyes. And don't don't discount it. In fact, begin to look for it and begin to look for God unveiling it to you. The spiritual is of great importance. And lions are a picture of the spiritual, and they're a picture of spiritual power. And remember, the reason I say that is because there's two primary characters in the Bible that are described as lions. The first one is Lucifer's described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's how Lucifer operates. He roars and he places fear into people and he searches for an opportunity. When you're alone, uh, when you're wandering, when you're not walking in the path that God has for you, when you're off the way for an opportunity to pounce on you and destroy you. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus, on the other hand, is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Uh, the root of David. He's the one who's overcome. He's the one who's able to take the title deed to the earth. He is the spiritual authority and power that God has placed on this earth in order that he might redeem it, in order that he might set it right, in order that he might place his purposes and his will completely in line in his creation in the physical or in the natural world. And so Judah is the lion whelp. Notice, from the prey, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. Notice, he is going to, he's going to rule and to reign. He bows down. He, lay, lay, he lies down as a lion. Notice he's given us all the pictures of the fullness of Judah operating in spiritual power. And obviously, I just named to you how Jesus is in that line. The book of the Revelation teaches us that, that John was looking and no one could take the scroll that had been presented, the scroll that had writing on both sides, and that he wept bitterly because no one was able to take back control this scroll is the title deed to the earth, and no one is able to take back control of the earth and set things right, and he weeps bitterly. And one of the elders comes and places his hand on John's shoulder and say, says, do not weep. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has overcome, and he is able to take the scroll, and he is able, he's able to take the title deed to the earth. And so understanding that Jesus is that lion of the tribe of Judah, which is what we've got going on right here. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David, and he is able to overcome. He is able to take that scroll. And so when you see here that he, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. Notice, he, God has a specific purpose in Judah and in Jesus's reign on the earth, he is going to he is going to conquer. He is going to bring about his purposes. And in fact, Jesus put to death he who had the power of death. 
he has taken his prey. And notice, he bows down, he lies down as a lion, meaning that his work is going to be a finished work. It's going to be a work where he can rest and lay down. It's a work that he can eventually bring about into its fullness. It's not going to be a continual work. It's going to be a completed work. He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. That's another promise. That's another prophecy. Notice, Jesus is not going to, once he's attained to the power and authority that he has, and noted, remember, when was that announced? It was announced when Jesus ascended to the Father in heaven in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Notice, after his resurrection, after his appearing to more than 500. He stands on the mountain and he's prepared to ascend to the right hand of the Father, the seat of power in the heavenlies. As he's about to ascend to that position, he he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then we have what we call the Great Commission. And a lot of times that's lost on people who maybe don't have a military background, but a commissioning is what happens to an officer in the military. And what happens to that officer is that he is commissioned under the power and the authority of the federal government to carry out the purposes and the will of that federal government with all power and authority that the government has given to, well, to its military officers. It's a commissioning under the power and authority of, say, the federal government, United States Army. And so if I'm if I am a commissioned officer, I'm commissioned to operate and function under that authority and with its power and with its force. And so I have a duty to operate correctly and rightly when that has happened, when I've received that commissioning. When Jesus commissioned us, what what did he say before he commissioned us? He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What he's saying is, I have full authority over everything. I'm totally in control. I'm totally, everything that is on the earth is under my control and my authority. And then he says, therefore, we're to go and make disciples. Our commission was to go and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. There's four verbs there. Go, make disciples. Go, make, baptize, and teach. And the primary verb there is to make disciples. We're to go as we go into the world. We're to make disciples and we're to baptize them and we're to teach them all of the commandments of Jesus. And what are those commandments? Those are the commandments of the Spirit. Those are the spiritual law of the New Testament, the law of the Spirit. Love God, love your neighbor, love each other as I've loved you. That's, that is the commissioning that he's under. And he and the Bible says that the scepter and the authority and the power that he operates in shall never depart from Judah. It's never going to leave him. Jesus' power and authority is continual, perpetual, and forever. He says, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Notice, he's going to be the source of not only only the power, but he's going to be the source of the truth and the law. Remember, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill fulfill it. What he's saying is, the law only had the power to define who God is and his holiness and his character and his nature. He says, I've come to fulfill the law. What does that mean, Chad? What that means is I am the embodiment of the fulfillment of that character and nature and truth. I am the fulfillment of the law. In me 
is all the goodness, all the holiness, and all the righteousness of God. And when you see me, you see the Father. And in fact, that's what he told his disciples. He says, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen his holiness. You've seen his righteousness. You've seen his justice. You've seen his goodness. And so he says, I am the embodiment of the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. He says, until Shiloh comes. Notice, uh, Jesus is Shiloh. He is peace. Shiloh means peace. It is a cognate of the word shalom. He says, until Shiloh comes. And to whom shall be the obedience of the people? Notice, to him shall be the obedience of people, meaning he's going to bring everyone in line. We talked about that rod of iron recently about iron being the picture of total power and total control and the ability to break and the ability to instruct and control. Jesus said, I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to be the one who brings about the obedience of the people. People are going to be able to walk in my holiness and goodness because of my power. He says, binding his donkey to a vine and his donkey colt to his choice vine. Notice, we bring back the donkeys. By the way, donkeys are very important in the Bible because they are the pickup truck of the New Testament. They're the ones who hauled everything around, and who doesn't want a pickup truck? And so he says he's binding his donkey to a, to the vine and his donkey colt to the choice vine, meaning God's work, the work that God is going to do, is bound to this vine. And remember, Jesus is the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's the choice vine. He's the right vine. He's the perfect vine. And God's binding his work to that vine. He's tying it off to that vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. And wine is a picture of the goodness of God. It's also a picture. It also can be a picture of, well, the shedding of blood. And notice he washes his garments, which are holy and righteous in his own blood. He does. And um, verse 11 tells us that is what he's doing, is that he's going to, it's a picture of his vice on the cross. It's a picture, it's, it's a foreshadowing, a foretelling that he is going to shed his blood for us. He's the choice vine. And he's, and notice if he's the vine and the fruit of the vine is the grape and, and the blood of the grape or the juice of the grape is his blood, is his shedding his blood for our sins. And then notice, his eyes are darker than wine. I was watching Jesus of Nazareth, which came out when I was a little boy last night. It's a wonderful movie. The In its time and its season, it was preeminent. It was one of the great films of the time. And Jesus is there, and he has the bluest of eyes, just beautiful blue eyes. The Bible clearly states that he's not going to have blue eyes. He's going to have dark eyes. He had dark eyes. His eyes are darker than wine. He, and that's pretty dark. That's pretty dark. And his teeth are whiter than milk. He's got nice teeth too. But the, these two things speak of, these two th things speak of the depth of what he sees in his eyes, meaning they're darker than wine. And his teeth whiter than milk, meaning he has full power and strength. When you show your teeth, when any when a lion shows its teeth, it's revealing its strength and its power. And you've seen those pictures with that lion as it snarls and it pulls its lips back and shows its teeth. He has full power and he has full understanding. And seeing those pictures at work, you understand that Jesus knew all things. And especially in watching that film, even though he had blue eyes, he perceived the understanding of what people were saying 
in their hearts, not just what they were seeing with their lips, where they were going and how they were wandering in their own mind rather than seeing the will of God. And then leaving last night when I was watching, he, he turns to Peter and says, you don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of men. And that's who Jesus is. And that who that's who Jesus was when he walked the earth as one of us, as a man. And he is the promise of God to his people, Israel. And he's the promise of God to the nations, which include us, to the Gentiles. And that promise has been unveiled and revealed in its fullness. It wouldn't be for another millennia before this would actually come about. And now it's been two more millennia since then, as many as 32, 33, 3400 years since this prophecy was made, since this blessing was given to Judah. It's been 3400 years and every bit of it has come true. And we can see it more in its depth and in its truth today than we uh, than we ever have before. And God is continually revealing himself in his word and revealing himself in his truth. And as we're in this, we're in resurrection week here at this time in this period, as we're here in this season, I would say to you that Jesus is the fulfillment of uh, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. He is the fulfillment of this promise and this blessing. And he's a blessing to all of us. And we ought to remember that each and every day. We serve a risen Lord. He is alive and he is risen. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he give you hope and peace as you go today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.